Welcome to Summer Bays, the unofficial Home and Away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavna, where I explore the trials and tribulations of Australia's most beloved surfer town, Summer Bay. Each week I'll do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas our characters usually find themselves in, like... Of your gang of five potential friends, is it really okay that you've punched two of them? Or, after your husband's asked you to move out and you refuse, what's a gal to do? Get ready to feel closer each day to home and away. Before I get started, I just want to share my top tip for enjoying home and away to the max, and that is no spoilers. So don't look at what's coming up next on the show. Don't look at what's coming up tomorrow. Avoid spoilers online. I'm telling you, it's a total game changer. You can apply it to any TV show you watch, but for home and away, it is a total game changer. You don't see the twists and turns coming. The drama is amplified. Just try for a week and see. So I'm kicking off this week with Jasmine. So Irene and Colby arrive to the farm and they try to talk to her, which makes Ian and Wendy feel even more in the dark than they did before. And can I just say, Ian's voice, he's such, like, it's such a classic old Aussie accent. He really just seems like a man of the bush. (laughs) Sorry, that sounds terrible. But like a man of old Aussie, like he's seen it all, he's done it all, he's done the hard work. I think he's just such a real like classic outback farmer. So as soon as Irene and Colby arrive, Jasmine starts to unravel thinking that they're out to get her, that she has no privacy, that, oh, you just want to tell them that I've lost my mind. So it's all this manipulation that's going on. And after Irene and Colby tell Ian and Wendy what's going on, Jasmine unravels even further. And what I do like about it is, is the idea of Jasmine moving out to the farm to live in her late husband's parents' home. That idea was quickly squashed by, you can't stay here because if Tori has an AVO against you, baby Grace can't visit us. Which, (laughs) I don't know if that's like a, a good enough reason for Jasmine to buy because... Tori hates Wendy and it feels really intimidated by her. So why would Tori go up and make that big long drive and go up and visit them? I I don't think so. I don't, anyway, but it was a good enough excuse to squash that idea. But because she kind of looks to them as like parental figures, they encourage her to get help and do the work. And, you know, you've got to fight for grace by helping yourself. So I think that's just really good advice and when Ian's like, oh, you won't know unless you fight and you do everything you can to make sure you're well enough for her. So once again, just using baby Grace as a carrot to make her better. Who cares? It got her back to the bay. So that's all great. But I do wonder, like, what do Ian and Wendy really think? So they're only getting, like, snapshots of what's gone on. Like, they're kind of in the dark over all of Robbo's life and how much that gang were actually after him. And then... So when when Robbo left Jasmine for six weeks and he went up to his parents' house, he didn't explain anything. So their farm, and then now Jasmine's up there. So their farm is like this refuge, but then they get very little information. They must just be sitting back being going like, okay, so anytime anyone's in like deep distress, they come here and they, I don't know, work it out on the land, but don't talk to us about it. So I'm sure they were so shocked to find out, oh, there's actually an AVO out against Jasmine over baby Grace Wendy's probably thinking the last time I saw Jasmine she thought she was pregnant with Robbo's baby and now she has this really inappropriate relationship with 
Robbo's other baby. So I just feel like they they are very much in the dark and deserve to know more. Uh, justice for Ian and Wendy is all I'll say. And rightly or unrightly so, Tori is worried all day and needs distraction with Justin. And Colby has this brainwave idea to ambush Jasmine as soon as she gets home. And this like, this intervention I felt like was totally built up, but it wasn't actually anything. I kind of felt like Colby kept like us, the audience, in the dark. So you didn't, you were kind of like seeing it from Jasmine's point of view. Yes, it was an intervention, but I kind of felt like they bigged it up into something that it was only like 20 seconds and she copped on and left. So I feel like that was just a bit of an anticlimax or a bit underwhelming. Although I did love the camera shots. This whole like focusing in on Jasmine's face and everything else is blurry and you're kind of seeing it through her eyes. Really love that. Very cinematic. And even the way she says Grace, like her voice like trembles. It's like, will you please let me see Grace? I'm just all about this crazy Jasmine. I really am. Obviously, Irene's in the dark. And obviously, Colby soon finds out how much of a bad idea it was. Jasmine has every right, I think, in that instance to be, to kind of lash out. And then much to resistance and annoyance from Justin, Tori decides to have a chat without Justin and then, unbeknownst to Colby, without Colby. So I think that worked in theory. But as soon as they start having it out, like, they're just banging their heads against a brick wall with her. Like, it starts out great and she's encouraging of the plan. Then when Jasmine starts being like, oh, you're giving me an ultimatum, I'm not doing anything without Grace. And then Tori's like, you need to get help. It's like, not unless I have access. They're just going round in circles. And I I love how Tori really stood up for herself and she starts getting frustrated because there's no benefit to Tori other than trying to be nice to her friend. So I just don't understand where... Jasmine thinks she has... I think this is like, such manipulation from Jasmine and I know she's doing it out of her sickness or she doesn't realise she's doing it but she's saying oh like I'm not doing it then I don't need the mental health plan uh, if I'm not going to see Grace well like well that's only really you're the only one who doesn't benefit from that like you've everything to gain from doing it so I think that's getting more and more apparent and she's a bit like okay maybe I'm the one who's going to lose out here not anybody else so when Jasmine's like, oh, this is all in your terms. There's no benefit to me. Then after the chat, of course, Jasmine's like, oh, I'm leaving. And it's just another form of manipulation to try to get what she wants. And the only person calling her out on her manipulation is Justin. But until Willow. So Willow has spent the whole time while Jasmine was in the farm checking in on how she is. Jasmine doesn't respond to any of her calls and texts. And Willow, rightly so, calls her out being like, so you're going to sell the gym. That leaves my job in jeopardy. You never reply to any of my texts. You just didn't care about me at all. And Jasmine is being the worst friend. And I love when they have it out because it's definitely the last catalyst. I don't know how many catalysts Jasmine needs to try to see sense. But even there was a bit in it that really annoyed me where they're sitting opposite each other in Irene's kitchen. And she says you need to think about me and then Jasmine's like you're honestly going to compare your loss to mine and what everything I've been through and then Willow's like no no just let me finish and she's like you need to think about Tori and she's like well it's not a competition it's like what manipulation again I'm I'm on you Jasmine I never thought I'd be saying this one day about Willow but when she was like you're not compromising everyone's trying to help you 
And just because what you're going through doesn't give you the right to carry on like this. People are only trying to care for you. And it totally makes Jasmine see sense. She has a lovely chat with Tori. I love how they weren't looking at each other. I thought that was a good scene. And Jasmine realises her fears that admitting that it is scary and she doesn't know what she's going to uncover in the therapy session. And I totally get that's daunting, but no reason to be a terrible friend. And she comes to realisation with Tori that she's been so caught up in herself and not thinking about other people or any of her friends. And luckily now we've seen the, the guard has come down, her resistance is easing and hopefully she will do this mental health care plan. But not one thank you to Willow. She's the one who made you see sense. And when, so she's kind of boasting about that she has supervised visits to Grace and then Grace and Tori pop in and then real nonchalantly goes, yeah, I'll stay. I'll see how it pans out. So like her whole, I'm leaving, I'm not leaving, manipulate, that game is kind of over for Jasmine. And then Willow's like, okay, so you let me know if I still have a job. Like she's not fully getting how upsetting that would be to hear. I'm totally team Willow. And I understand Jasmine's going through a lot, but Willow's not her punching bag. And you kind of like, you can appreciate that she's going, that Jasmine's going through some stuff, but also you need to get out of your own bubble and see how your actions are affecting other people. Now, more on Willow later when we get to the nightclub scene. But now in slightly more of unglamorous events, we have Marilyn and John. So Marilyn is entering into this. Marilyn is entering into this struggle. So with John, she felt trapped, but now she's lost. She doesn't know what to do. She talks to Rue at length. And then I love how Rue is kind of equally friends with both of them. She's still very close with John. And I thought what John said was so sad. What John was saying was like, I feel really unworthy and small. And Rue's the one who said living together, is that a good idea? Interesting. And then when John has his fall, Marilyn's all like, oh, you need 24-7 care. But then Marilyn is like impossible to pin down for a conversation. So I, she she just drives me nuts sometimes with this like over politeness. Like, I don't want to be a burden and I'm sorry to dump all this on you. And like, I'm a horrible person. I'm so rude and mean and... But then is also like very immature when it comes to having serious relationships about her marriage that is falling apart. Don't get it. So when John is like, you need to move out. I want to set you free. Marilyn just not going in, even though she's told Rue, she's like, no, no, no. I need to be with him all the time. I still need to take care of him. So it's like she's like overly trying to be this like good person, but like is sacrificing herself so it's actually ending up making her be a bit of a bad person I don't know and then she's all in a tizzy with work I just kind of feel like this always happens with Marilyn when she's going through some stuff she can't tell anyone she acts really strange or she gets really into herself then like is messing up stuff in work and then has to tell Irene and Leah and then they understand I don't know it's just this it's cyclical with Marilyn so and she's like adamant she has to rent a house even though you're on like a diner wage like just it's so obvious move in with the stewards but no 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 I can't I can't and then like by saying all that no 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 I can't you're making it way more of an issue oh sorry um so she doesn't want to move out because she's as she says not used to making big decisions about my own life anymore 
So then saying like, well, John, I have to stay with you because we don't have a choice. So when John chats to Amber, Amber's like, no, this is fucking, this is dead easy. You do not need her. You you just need an alarm watch, which makes the role of Marilyn fairly defunct, fairly quickly, bit brutal. But Marilyn kind of just needs, she's kind of someone who stands on the edge of like, to jump in the water and it's like just go 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 and she ends up having to be like pushed aggressively because people are like just do it which is kind of what happened and I do love the quote which I will be using again when Amber says to John the only people who like change are babies with a dirty nappy and like hello yes very true nobody likes change so John sets her free and she moves out I just don't know if this is going to be as smooth sailing as that John seems to be taking it fine it's Marilyn which is the weird one because Marilyn is the instigator of all of this but I thought the storyline would have focused on John being upset that his marriage was over and he's a stroke victim rather than Marilyn the dumper but anyway I'll never understand that woman And in the wake of Ryder's dad passing away, Alf returns and to a resistant Ryder, doesn't want to go to the funeral. He's very rattled by the idea of it, uh, that nobody will know who he is. And But like he's still, I thought his refusal kind of went on a bit. Like you'll definitely regret it if you don't go. I understand he doesn't want to be viewed as a stranger and he knows nothing about his dad's life or even where he lived or his friends. I did find it sad though when he was like I was shut out of his life and I was shut out of his death which is sad but I'm so glad he was convinced to go because it's a chance to say goodbye you can't miss it and you'll regret it so I'm glad he's gone hopefully it'll go okay and obviously Rue and Alpha go with them very cute but one thing I want to take umbrage with is Bella and Nick right so their storyline, okay, it is V-cute. I really love the ocean story that he was telling her about, that it's a big spiritual place, a special place for Nick and his dad. Their hangout times are getting a bit more intimate. Bella's freeing up the apartment, even though Ari's like, do not go there, Nick. Colby's on our case. We don't need another reason for them, for that cop to hate us, which is fair enough. I also love how Nick calls Tane and Ari uncle. Like, we, I now don't use uncle. I just love that phrase. I just, it's a nice piece of language that I enjoy. But when Bella didn't know about Ryder, it's like, oh, I've been caught up in my own stuff. She's like, oh, I better get on to him. And then her and Nick call him, leave him like a voice note from the two of them. Sorry, I would want, Bella's supposed to be one of Ryder's best friends. I wouldn't want a couple call being like, sorry, your dad passed away. We're thinking of you. Sorry, individual call and call him until he answers or text him. I just thought that was... Like, he's or, they already make loads of jokes about him being a third wheel. So, do you really need to feel like a third wheel when you're on your way to your dad's funeral? No. Anyway, just no. I just didn't appreciate that. And now on to a hefty chunk of scandal. Obviously, no surprises. Ignited all by Amber. Right after her fight with Jasmine, Willow gets a knock on the door from Amber and they hit the clubs. I'm like, I can't remember the last time there was a nightclub scene in Home and Away. Definitely in the Braxton era. This just was such a perfect storm. Tane arrives, unbeknownst to Ziggy and Mac, who are just about to arrive. Amber's obviously given Mac a hard time. Princess will go buy us the drinks. But what was with Mac's 
incessant purse clutching. Like this, oh, 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 God, God, Amber is so the worst. Whoa, she like never let go of her handbag. Like, fair play to Amber. I'm a little bit siding with Amber here because like, she needs a piece or two taken, chipped off for Mackenzie. Like, you can't come to a nightclub. Why agree? It's not like Amber is in your restaurant behaving like this. You have agreed to join Amber on her night out and you spend the whole time giving her like a puss face and, you know, being super judgy. It's just, it made no sense. And it was so obvious what was going on. Mackenzie spent the whole time giving out about her, being like, oh, hooking up like her life depends on it. She went home with one of my staff. It's kind of slut shaming. But then it's all underpinned by, oh, I just want to get to know Dean's friends. You're not getting to know her. You are being rude. Or just like, keep that opinion to yourself. Be a bit of a Ziggy in this situation. I've said it before. Ziggy is like, sorry to say, innocent, naive little Labrador. He's like, hey guys, ooh, I want a party. Maybe he's actually just take a page or two out of Ziggy's book. I don't know. But I just love the nightclub scenes. Yeah, definitely Braxton days. Or when Martha went into her stripping phase. Now, not Martha Senior, obviously. Martha <laughs> Rue's daughter. Uh, back in the like late noughties, I believe. Anyway, Max just spends the whole time staring and not dancing. And and then when that whole thing happens with Amber, with the guy making advance on the dance floor, Tana gets involved. Mac gets really jealous over and being like, oh, you just love two guys fighting, have you? So the nightclub clears out. They get into this standoff. And when Mac pushes Amber, what did she think was coming? Like, Amber's a scrappy girl. A punch was obviously on the way. And I just love how poor, no, I don't love, sorry, but like poor Ziggy gets caught in the crossfire. And this is Amber's second punch, Colby being number one. So now we have number two to Ziggy, but it was aimed for Mac. And it's just, I think Ziggy takes it like weirdly well. Again, I don't know, Labrador reference. I don't know, kind of just... I don't understand why Z didn't have more of a stance on it. Anyway, so Mackenzie's cover is totally blown and I'm so happy because she's so bad at hiding it. It'd be different if she was harboring this secret lust for Tani, but she's not. She's just being so obvious about it. So I'm loving the way that Amber calls her out and at the next day when they bump into each other, don't, both walking home from the nightclub. But Mackenzie also has no plan. Everyone's starting to cop on now and she's like, to Ziggy, oh, I'll just deal with it when it happens, if it happens. I'm just going to stick my head in the sand. It's fine. It's like, I just, there's just not one bit of a plan there. This is only heading one way. Ari is a smart guy. He is going to cop on. So as much as Mac tries to send Tane home, that's not happening. And then it's not long before Dean finds out. Then Mackenzie's all, she's so prissy about Amber and just can't let people be themselves or, you know, let people live. Until she gets the comment from Tani being like, oh, I would have done the same for you. And then she's like, oh, I feel a bit better. Like, that's sick. You fa- you're you going out with his brother. So Ari is in the dark, think that she just has a really bad hangover until he sees Ziggy's black eye. And then Dean gets this weird loyalty back in for Ari because he looked after him in prison. So he's really concerned about Ari not finding out that the girls were fighting over Tane. So then when Ziggy lets it slip to Tane that Mac and Amber's fight was about him, that sends Tane hightailing it to Mac. Meanwhile, Ari is putting the pieces together from a very tender and hungover Ziggy. 
Like, can she not just enjoy her hangover? She's just been punch. But anyway, with the help of Ziggy, Ari kind of puts two and two together and he's heading for Mac the same time as Tana is. And now Mac is in such hot water. I'm glad this has finally been brought to a head. So I'm wondering now, will this be enough to bring this love triangle to the to a head? Because we started things off with Colby, Mac and Ari and Colby was very jealous kind of wanted Mac now that he couldn't have her and now Mackenzie has entered into another triangle but it's even worse it's brother and brother and I don't blame her Tani looks unreal with his new haircut but she is playing with fire do you like it's a real head and heart situation like her head says Ari her heart or maybe more south says Tani so I just feel she needs to get a handle on things and I think the moral of the story is if you fancy someone do not give them a job well that about wraps it up for me today if you like what you hear I would love if you could subscribe rate and or review this podcast if you want to get in touch you can email summerbayspodcast at gmail.com if you want to get me on Instagram it's at Cabana. I'll talk to you next week g'day g'day